Welcome to What in the Wellness with Tiffany, where we have real conversations dedicated to helping women make holistic wellness easier. Through education, self-exploration, and actionable steps, mixed with a bit of laughs and real-life experience, What in the Wellness with Tiffany is meant to be your companion on your personal wellness journey. I'm your host, Tiffany Stewart, certified health coach, internationally featured wellness writer, business owner, info geek, loud laugher, and mom of two. I'm so happy that you're here with us. Let's get started. This episode is sponsored by AIM Massage Therapy. We are not effective when we're overwhelmed. Regardless of outside factors and commitments, it's essential we take conscious and consistent moments to retreat and care for ourselves. At AIM Massage Therapy, it is their aim to provide therapeutic services that foster an atmosphere of balance and wellness for individuals who desire to feel and be relaxed. Whether you're in need of a massage session as an initiative to your office wellness program, next social event, or desire alone time to pamper yourself, a licensed massage therapist will come to your location and give an abiding hand to your needs. Serving the New York and New Jersey areas, visit aimmassagetherapy.com today to schedule an in-person session and to shop their new online wellness store. That's aim, A-I-M, massagetherapy.com to book your session today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We are back here, What in the Wellness with Tiffany. I am Tiffany, your host, certified health coach and overall wellness geek, I guess, to some degree. (laughs) I'm very excited to be back and I'm not gonna make this a super long intro because I, why not? I just wanna get into the interview. And I must warn you, in this interview, I was kind of geeking out because it was with the owner of one of my favorite, favorite adaptogen drinks. And they have a whole bunch of different blends, Rasa. And that is R-A-S-A. I've been a longtime Rasa drinker. I found them somehow. I don't even know how I came across it. Probably when I started deep diving into adaptogens and then I found a drink that comes it's not a drink well it's a blend of herbs and they have a couple of different blends that they have out there for specific purposes like to just have on as a coffee replacement um they have one that is for people who are trying to calm down in the evening time it could all be the same person though (laughs) they also have even one for um, like a spicy one that's kind of like if you want to get in the mood type thing but it is a like ready-made adaptogen blend that you can go and brew at home and then you can, you know, just incorporate adaptogens a lot easier into your day. But I was super excited to interview the owner, Lopa, because I had just only seen her through like emails. You know, first you get on somebody's email list and then you see the emails come in. Then later on, I would see her in Facebook ads and things. So actually speaking to her was very exciting and it was like surreal a little bit. So I want to say thanks again, Lopa. I know it's been a minute since we did this episode. So thank you so much for your patience. So we are going to get right into the episode, but I do want to say 
say that if you do want to try out Rasa, I will have a link and coupon code in the description of the show notes that you rather, and you can try it out for yourself. They have a sampler pack because sometimes you're just like, I don't know if I want a whole thing or commit to a whole bag. So they have a sampler pack too. So you can go and check it out yourself. Without further ado, here is my interview with Lopa of Rasa on what made her make Rasa and her journey and a couple of tips for small business owners and other entrepreneurs. It was such a great interview. See you on the other side. I have hit the record button now and um, I'm going to wait, let me switch to the, make sure I have the, I may switch out to get the questions. (laughs) Cool. Okay, yeah, so questions too, so I might pop out in and out too a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so I'm gonna start in one, two, three. Hi, Lopa. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Tiffany. It's great to be here. Oh, uh, as I've we, I've already been saying, like we're well, everyone that's listening to this can't see this, but we're actually doing Zoom face to face, and so now it's weird seeing you in person because I've only seen you in like ads and things so it's really really cool like it's weird but it's cool I'm so happy (laughs) it's really nice to see you live too because I usually see you like in stories and stuff like that and you Mm -hmm. know like it still feels super intimate but it's not like immediate like we're actually talking (laughs) (laughs) yes yes oh my goodness well I'm so happy to share with everyone your story and Rasa's story and even just introduce them to Rasa because I've been a long time Rasa user um through which we'll get into through my pregnancy as well and um through the best breastfeeding rather, <laughs> okay, <laughs> breastfeeding rather, but it's um, it's just a great product and easy for everyone to kind of just tiptoe into, um, you know, different blends and adaptogenic uh, living just so yay for Rasa. But that's, that's, I will let you share more about Rasa. Can you please tell us more about yourself and your work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, um, Oh God, it's, it's always a question of like, where do I start the thread? Because, um, you know, it's funny. I'll just do a little bit of an aside and I'm going to talk about Steve Jobs for a minute, which might seem like re- really weird, but he did this commencement speech um, I, in like 2000 or something like that, um, where he talked about like, you never know how the pieces of your life are going to connect. Like he took a calligraphy class in college that really informed the design for Apple. And like, there was these other pieces that he never would have known how they connect. And Rasa is one of those things where it's like all these different factors have come together over the course of 15, 20 years. I don't know. Like, where do you start? Um, uh, You know, if I go way, way back, like I used to have an eating disorder, like so many women and men um, in our age. And that led me to holistic health um, and really starting to like, I sort of took this mode of like, if I'm going to be obsessed with food, maybe I take it in the way of health um, instead and like start to like really learn about nourishing myself and nutrition and all that, which did turn into orthorexia for a bit. Um, and ortho- Oh, wow. So, so that is a little bit of a dangerous slippery slope there, but um, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with orthorexia, that's when where the obsession with being healthy becomes yes. a disorder in and of itself. 
Um, so, but I still made my way out of it uh, in large part thanks to, um, I got really into yoga and I was actually initiated into a traditional tantric yoga lineage. Um, so from, you know, it was, it was an Indian, my teacher's teacher was an Indian Swami and he was given the mandate to come to the US and, you know, teach Westerners what he learned. And so I was initiated in that lineage. And there came this point where it was like, I, I, I can't like the, the tension between what I was doing to myself in terms of obsessing about food um, mm -hmm. and what I was trying to do in terms of yoga, which is like liberate myself, <laughs> right. working anymore. And eventually those two collided and I got healthy. Um, and also thanks to Ayurveda and what I learned from Ayurveda. So I was really steeped in that tradition. Um, that was my central focus of my life for most of my twenties um, and left that teacher for some narcissistic type behavior. Um, mm. Got into <laughs> another dynamic um, with another teacher who, again, Indian woman, real tradition, real powerful teachings, um, and also a lot of narcissistic behavior as well. That ended up being quite traumatizing for me. The other one wasn't wow. traumatizing for me personally. This one was actually quite traumatizing. So, so I'm, I'm giving you guys, guys the long story. So thanks for- No, I'm here power. for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I uh, was with her for two years. Both of the traditions that I was in could absolutely be considered cults. I'm not really sure where, where I stand with it right now. I would say because I was traumatized by the second one, that one felt more mm -hmm. cultic and mm -hmm. destructive. Um, but uh, left that dynamic as I got, as I was pregnant, I was a few months pregnant, um, had a very stressful rest of my year. It was one for the record books, had an emergency surgery, a death in the family, a huge falling wow. out with my mother, moved across country. And then it was like, I was fried. I was really just fundamentally fried from that cult experience. And then all these stressors that happened, bam, 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 one after another. And um, I knew that I needed something deeper and more nourishing than the coffee that most moms rely on in early childhood and infancy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, I was never even a coffee drinker because I'm from the Ayurvedic perspective, I'm, I'm a very Vata person um, and mm -hmm. coffee's not very good. You know, I'm the one of those ones who gets jittery and anxious and like, eh, it's not good for me. But as soon as I had the baby, like even my Ayurveda friends were like, yeah, this is just when you get addicted to coffee. Like, that's just what you do. Right. Um, and I was like, I can't do that to myself right now. Like this, this nervous system is fried. Uh, I need mm -hmm. to fix to myself. And so I started looking at all the coffee alternatives and um, they just, they all were lacking something or another that, that I wanted. I was like, you know, I need it to be nourishing. I need it to be delicious. I need it to give me energy and real in a real way. Um, but not that like spike of coffee because um, that wasn't going to be good for me either. Um, and I wanted it to be gluten-free. My kiddo is gluten-free. I can't tolerate gluten either. Um, and no, no natural flavors and you know, yeah, so, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I kind of drew, drew back to the wisdom of Ayurveda, which was like always this like warm embrace of a mother that I had throughout that whole time. And, um, that was where the inspiration for rasa came from because rasa is, is a Sanskrit word. Um, rasayana in Ayurveda is basically the, the study and the process of extending your life, extending mm. your vitality. So it's actually about 
longevity. And some of that longevity is, is related to um, like how you're spending your days. Like one mm -hmm. of the perspectives that I was taught in, in my tradition is, is to relate to life as you get a finite amount of breaths in your life. You mm -hmm. can use them as fast or as slow as you want. Right, right. So like that longevity, like having a little bit more breath, breathing a little bit more slowly, which means like reducing the stress response and, and coffee can put you under a stress response. Yeah. All of those things became this inspiration for like, okay, um, I worked with an herbalist friend of mine who also had a background in Ayurveda and in the Indian traditions that um, I was studying in. And um, she developed the formula and um, that was what came of rasa something that's nourishing, energizing, delicious, gluten-free, no flavors, or, you know, it's just herbs and just like the best herbs we could possibly put into one. Right. I've always loved how intentional it seemed that Rasa and even the brand was, even to, to at one point, and this is nowhere in the notes where, where I said this, <laughs> at one point, didn't you even um slow production so that you can make the packaging compostable or something like that at one point like <laughs> oh we have had such a run with compostable packaging uh, <laughs> yes we have we've slowed production we've had slowed sales as we're working with the packaging um compostable packaging has been an incredible challenge and it's been one that's been super important with for me from the start um and you know it's one of those things that i was like this is possible therefore we need mm -hmm. to do it you know, and, that, right. and I think that's like sort of the ethos of, of what we do is like, we're going to do things to the nth degree of what is good because otherwise, like there's so many reasons and excuses and capitalistic and white supremacist encouragements to cut corners and do the wrong thing. Like mm -hmm. it's it built into the system completely. Right. And it is. So, and like the, the financial incentives are there, the, the mm -hmm. emergency incentives are there. Like it's all part of it. And it was just like, I can't do that. Like I can't right. in my integrity be that kind of, like that's gonna create a business that's just gonna maintain the status quo, which I think is complete bunk. Um, right. You know, so, and it's like, it's hard cause I'm still not like to get all political, but like I'm, I'm, I'm inherently like an anti-capitalist. Like that's in my nature. And yet I'm running a business. And right. I was about to say, but you're still a business at the same yeah. time, which makes it's, it difficult. Exactly. And so it's like, you have to. And so the, the, the way we've answered for that is by doing things as right as possible. And compostable packaging is one of those huge expense. Um, and tons of time. And we're finally actually going to be launching our real, fully compostable, certified compostable packaging early next year. Um, yeah, wow. Every single bag we've had so far has been pushing the edge of compostable packaging in some way or another, but we've never been able to call it certified. Right. Um, and that has been a whole thing. Um, and then we had, we thought we were going to launch one at the beginning of this year. The supplier backed out at the very, like, they were a month late and then they were like, yeah, we can't do it. Um, and we were oh, like, man. So we had to scramble and the only thing we could get was a non-compostable package. So our current mm -hmm. packaging is non-compostable, which is the first time mm -hmm. we've done that. And I feel terrible about it, honestly. But the 2020 is a, 2020 is a mess. So it it's was, like... It was totally... Like, March 2020 started in January, you know? You should have heard, like, I don't really scream. I'm not like an angry business person, but I screamed on the phone to them. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, you know, short of creating an alternative to capitalism, which is very much on my mind, um, but I don't know <laughs> what to do, or I'm not a finance person, you know, innately. 
um, what we, our answer for that is like, how can we do every single thing in the way that's creating the world that we want within the right. of capitalism? And that's, that's very much, I can, that's what I received, even from the emails that you guys sent out, from just the way that you've been doing things for the last years that I've been on Arasa, <laughs> Arasa Fire. Yeah. So I really, really appreciate that because um, as someone who tries to to live and shop and spend their money, which I still believe is an energy transfer and some, you know, money is an energy transfer. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, you know, that's why I always have told people, yeah, try Rasa, try Rasa. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. I, I'm really glad that that comes through because it's, you know, it's tricky. There's so many things that we're doing behind the scenes that like, you know, it gets to be TMI if we like talk about it all that. And then I also don't have that much time to get out there and mm -hmm. tell everybody like, here's all the stuff that we're doing behind the scenes and how do we systematize talking about that and all that stuff. So I'm really glad that it does come through. It does. It surely does. I'm going to, I want to make sure that I'm hitting all the things because I think that everyone <laughs> should know about you and your, everything that y'all are doing. Um, I have a next, the next question I have, there's a lot of people in our audience who are small business owners or aspiring to be, what are two not glamorized, uh, in quotes, uh, unexpected challenges that you face on the beginning parts of your journey and how have you navigated them here? Because I think, as I want to also mention everybody that you are a mom too. So I always like to say, I, I, I Everyone is, every woman is amazing, but I think moms have a special magic, you know, like, but, sure. so, so adding that to your journey, you know, what would you tell other mom entrepreneurs as we're called in the thing, uh, or, or anybody, any, anybody out there trying to uh, start a business? What are the things yeah. that you've learned? Phew, uh, so much. Um, I think the two that are really like so fundamental and um, <clears throat> applicable to everyone and particularly moms. Um, the first one is we, we hired a lot of the wrong people to start. Um, mm -hmm. And why that's particularly important for moms is because you're gonna need the support. Um, whether or not like, mm -hmm. you know, it depends on what your vision is for your business and what type of business it is, you know, but like you're gonna be working with some people, whether that's like people providing services that are, you know, helping you build your website or whatever that kind mm -hmm. of um, or if it's, you're actually hiring employees to do different tasks in your business, you know, it depends on the vision of your business. But, um, for me, that learning was that, you know, the non-glamorous part of it was like, it came down to self-worth issues. It came down to privilege guilt. It came down to a certain level of naivete that thinking that like, oh, I can train, train junior people and like train them up so that they can help me. Mm -hmm. But the truth was, I didn't know how to do that job either. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, so, like I can't mm -hmm. train people, like, I don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. um, that's not how this works. And, um, you know, the, the self-worth was this like sort of sense and, and that kind of tied into to privilege guilt of like, well, you know, like I have all this privilege, so therefore I need to work really, really hard to like kind of like negate my privilege a little bit and balance it out, okay. take all the workload and, um, and then self-worth around sort of like, well, you know, like, do I really need like a rock star? And like, I'm still, you know, we're still starting out. And so I should get someone who's also starting out. And these mm -hmm. kinds of thoughts and beliefs um, in, in the context of starting the business ended up with so such a tremendous amount of stress 
um, mm -hmm. and where I where I would encourage people like it's not like you have to go and hire the like most expensive person because that not, might not be what you're able to afford and you do have to be reasonable within that right but you also have to be aware that um, marketers are really good at selling themselves like they market themselves um, and mm -hmm. you have to you have to really interview people like really have a process don't just trust somebody on the first go you know or the second mm -hmm. go like have a, a a graduated process for how you bring people into the fold whether that's a contractor or a vendor that you're working with um, just be really careful with your relationships because these are the people that are going to develop the infrastructure of how you build your business um, right. and they're going to be what what makes the difference between you being able to work in your zone of genius versus you like picking up all the slack and you know doing all those right things right um so hire slow um and fire <laughs> one of those like maxims of business that i did not follow at all and um <laughs> mm -hmm. like develop a process like go ahead and take that time for like how do i know if this is really the right person to be partnering with or to be working with or to be hiring um and right. um you know what are those what are those things where you're like this person aligns with my values right like getting to know this person on a deep level and see their integrity in their relationships and mm -hmm. see some of their work do a test project with people you know those kind right. of things because i mean people talk about this a lot but the team you build is going to be it means everything and i now see that in retrospect and i created so much extra work and stress for myself and not doing that mm. So that was one piece. Um, the second one that I would say is the overwork. Um, it's, there is constant stuff to do. And, you know, like this, this is also like, we exist in a culture of like white supremacy wants you to do it fast and perfect. Like that is the, that is the mode. And so mm -hmm. we're all baked in that. We're all steeped in this and like, gotta get it now. Gotta do this now. And, gotta, and like, gotta like grow fast at all costs and gotta get right. And sometimes we have the pressure, like if you have the pressure of survival mm -hmm. and you have the pressure, uh, pressure of urgency and perfection on top of that, like you need to like, just like go relax that a little bit because it's like, it dehumanizes us to be mm -hmm. in a constant mission. And it's hard to, especially if you're constantly surrounded by all the things you could or should do. Yes. <laughs> it's really hard to like, to prioritize and say like, I'm gonna do this one thing really well, or I'm gonna do these yeah. two or three things really well. And we're still working on this, you know, it's still, yeah. it's still Same, hard. same. <laughs> and then I'm gonna dig deep on that and keep iterating on that. And it's hard too, cause sometimes you're like, well, maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe this isn't the right thing. So I'm gonna take this thing and, and add this to the mix. And right. all of that creates this environment where you're, you're just constantly on and you're constantly working and you can't be seeing the big picture in the forest for the trees. And if you mm -hmm. are starting your own business, you have to have that ability to go high up into the trees and down low into the weeds and the nitty gritty execution and you right. need space and time for that. And especially if you're a mom, like you get off work and it's your other job, you know, mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's nourishing and it's, you know, in many ways and the love is beautiful and all that, but you're still on and it's still uh -huh. answering to somebody else's needs. And so like you have to somehow like whether it's through your partner or a friend or a family member or something, get a little bit of space to yourself 
religiously. Like that is one of the most important things you can do for your business is to unplug a little bit because mm -hmm. your, your brain, like your, I'm pointing the back of my head cause it's like your slow yeah. brain is back there. That that's going to be like that, that back of the mind kind of mentality like happens when you relax, when you can get those new insights, when you can get those new ideas. And if right. you work a little less, you will actually be more productive in terms yeah. of the time that you do work. And if you have just a little bit of that, that break, and sometimes, you know, if you're a mom, that might be like five minutes to yourself and that might be like feeling pretty lucky, but still you have yeah. to like carve that time out and really prioritize and be like a fierce protectress of yourself because yes. yourself is the one that's going to get you to where you want to go in your business. Like it, it comes from your essence. It comes from your divine purpose. And mm -hmm. the only way that you're going to be able to access that is you, if you have a little bit of time to connect with yourself. Right. That's actually been the, the most liberating and scary part for me is if realizing that all the business or things that I want to do comes from me, you know what I mean? Like, and then it's realizing that it was like, wow, that's scary and great at the same time. So yeah. I definitely had to find ways and places. Like I realized that my favorite place to think or come up with ideas is in the shower, you know? So people be like, why are you, <laughs> maybe it's the water. Maybe it's the <laughs> <laughs> take like 25 showers. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. You're in there a lot. <laughs> I come out and I'm like, where's my notepad? You know, like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's ways that you can like build a little bit of support in there too. Like where you like have some kind of like waterproof recording device in there. So you can like. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely because I've definitely run out and I'm like, wait, I got to get the where's, where's my paper because <laughs> that's where I'm able to think the most. It's weird, but it's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for that. Um, the next question I have for you is I've been I mentioned already I've been a long time subscriber to your email list and absolutely love how authentic and unapologetically unique they, the emails are. And even your messages, your ads, everything that's been out there that I've seen uh, thus far. As someone who tries to lead with authenticity, I truly appreciate that. Why has this been so important for your brand and has it always been successful? Definitely not always successful. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, well, here it depends on your, your metric for success there. But the, the point, anytime you put yourself out there, someone's not gonna resonate, you know? Like you're risking right. someone not right. liking it. And the more people you put yourself out there to, the more are not gonna like it. Right. Uh, and the more vulnerable it is, the more unique it is, the more authentic it is, that means it's it's necessarily just not gonna appeal to a wider audience. It's gonna appeal to the specific subset of people who can relate to that thing. That right. So um, we definitely get some pushback and we get some like, you know, people who are offended, people who, <laughs> I mean, there's, we gotten all sorts of stuff. Um, but that said, I would say that in terms of the, the more important metrics of success, I feel like we're, we're connecting with people. Like you know, we, we've sort of set this goal, like instead of having like building an email list to like 1 million people, mm -hmm. rather have 1 million relationships with people and like okay. that, like an actual intimacy where it's like, where there's a real exchange and like we i see so many businesses that grow to a certain level and then it just feels like they lose their soul right and like it's and it's just like well they have to appeal to a mass audience and so like mm -hmm. that has to be like a really watered down message and i just 
that's that's not that would actually the reason that that's been so important to me is is literally about energy like it comes back to mm-hmm. it takes energy for me to kind of put myself in a box and say like well i'm going to show up like this because this is what will appeal to the audience and blah 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 right it's it it's so much more liberating to just let it come direct and be like authentic and like here's what we are and we're kind of weird whatever right. you're gonna like it or you're gonna hate it um, <laughs> and, um it's it's less energy to be authentic and i'd say that's something that translates to email marketing and it's something you know for all of us too like whenever we're putting up some kind of front like it just takes a little bit of energy to like kind of block yourself and curtail yourself and put yourself in a box yeah um, so um yeah, it's, um, it's been incredibly important. And um, I would say successful in that metric of like, we have people who are super passionate about our brand, because I think they feel that we're like, we're real people. And we're not just marketing, right? Team. We're trying to provide value, trying to entertain people and like lighten their days a bit, especially this year. Um, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and so yeah, from that perspective, um, I'm, I'm very happy with it. And we're never gonna, you know, not be that yeah don't stop don't stop don't stop <laughs> Can't I stop, told don't that, stop. you know <laughs> there was an email today that said like was it today or yesterday beauty from rasa oh yeah. seen his book yeah it was really nice it was really nice i appreciated that <laughs> thanks. thanks yeah yeah that came all, all the whole team put together some some piece that they saw and were inspired by whatever yeah oh yeah for no everyone that might not have seen it i just realized that anyone that might not have seen the email it was a a compilation of things that um yeah that you can explain it best (laughs) yeah there was like something to make you smile something to make you marvel something to make you dance and it was all like we had a play our our joy playlist for a recent um product that we launched um and then which is amazing by the way (laughs) so obsessed with it um and um yeah like this amazing um there's in the mountains of turkey there's this bird whistling language and the people talk to the birds and like you know just like all these cool videos and links and stuff to you know kind of brighten your day and yeah the world around it definitely was not a like here by this you know which is fine sometimes but it was one of these like here i hope this helps your day a little bit and i really appreciated that i, I hope everyone else did but yeah. you can you can tell on the back end if everyone else did awesome awesome <laughs> that was positive yeah oh good <laughs> so my next question is i've seen that rasa often speaks up about issues which have not been spoken up about enough in the wellness space, specifically the lack of diversity in the commodified wellness space, and even drinking your own uh, herbal blends while breastfeeding. Why was this important for you as a brand? And what have you learned by quote unquote going there? And what's been your audience audience's response? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great question. And I feel like the, the two pieces that you brought up are like, there's, there's kind of slightly different motivations from them but actually i mean if you go to like the core core it's some of the same like it it comes down to empowerment and to being a business that actually creates a change in the world that that we all need and want to see um i mean like i i studied in a very non-appropriative indian lineage like that it was there was it was not a cultural appropriation. It was literally cultural preservation. We were like working to mm. preserve the Dharma to pass on to other people. And like to come from that 
And I like kind of went like head down and like didn't really look at the world. I wasn't really online for like a lot of years. And I came out and I was like, what are people doing? Like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? And it was really, um, it was it was like a shock to my system in terms of how people are are appropriating things that aren't theirs. I mean, I, I you right. know, friends who studied with African tribes and were really, you know, and like deep in these traditions and like still don't go out and teach it because it's not theirs. And, right. you know, like in that, that is an integrity that I respect. And, you know, it was a little bit of a, of a fine line in terms of calling it Rasa and, mm -hmm. you know, like leaning on this tradition, but it also felt so right both to myself and my former co-founder. Um, mm -hmm. And we were just like, okay, we're going to ride this line, but you know, right. like it, we're we're still taking something and and eventually going to be profiting from it. I hope. Um, <laughs> takes a while, um, but um, so yeah, there. I have a sensitivity around this idea of like taking cultures, and so much of the wellness culture is are things that come from ancestors that come from Black people that come from BIPOC people um, mm -hmm. and have been taken and then we're like oh yeah like let's just like make it like super minimalist and we're like you know like put call it, charge 40 dollars for it and like mm -hmm. you know it's just like and it's divorced from where it came from and i feel like mm -hmm. that that divorce like i have so much respect for for lineage and like what passes through when things are passed down really carefully like that and handed consciously like you know so many of the traditions it's like like i i was not blessed to be a teacher in my tradition like i, mm -hmm. I don't teach that stuff because I'm not a teacher. Um, so yeah, it, it comes down to like a, a feeling of integrity. Um, and the mm -hmm. fact that the wellness space has been so white, I mean, I feel like that's just also like white supremacy at work, like the level of exclusion and the level of access and the level, you know, it's just like that mm -hmm. you can see the system, like it's the, in the right. situation of the system and the level of you know just exposure and access to it it just really um it's never it's never sat well with me um and <laughs> i've never known exactly you know i'm also like white woman running a business like super privileged white woman running a business that's doing this and like what do i do with that you know like and there's you know my face is out there a bunch and it's you know like as you were saying you see me on ads and all of that and so it's like okay what do we, how can we how can we take steps to to counteract that and how can we you know be something show some that's it this isn't what it is like all right this should be accessible and wellness actually you don't need a product to you do don't it. need anything <laughs> to do it really you have your breath you have you can get outside and it's like breath nature community like that's that's real wellness and you know that it's yeah it's very much sort of like a white supremacist belief system that people who don't have access to wealth are poor or unhappy. Right. You know, like they, those are some of the richest people in the world, honestly, in many, in many mm -hmm. regards in terms of what they have of community nets and what they have in terms of like what, what's really important about humanity. Right. Um, so I always think about there's this, um, this is, I believe it's a Zen story. It might be a Taoist story um, of a, a fisherman, a fisherman in a village and a businessman comes to see him, visit him and he's fishing. And the, the businessman is like, you're catching a lot of fish there. Like, why don't you take that into town, sell those fish. Eventually you can hire other people to do the fishing and mm -hmm. then they sell the fish and then blah, blah, blah. And, he, and the man was like, he's like laying out this whole business model, this business plan for him. And the fisherman looks at him and is like, 
yeah, but why would I do that? And he was like, well, eventually you'll be able to retire to a nice fishing village and just, you know, fish for whatever you want. And it was like <laughs> beautiful, like circle of like that. So often what we do is actually to be able to retire and just have a nice simple life. Exactly. But yeah. why don't we just do that from jump if we can, exactly. as much exactly. as we can. <laughs> So um, anyway, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but um, yeah, it's, that has been super important for me. And coming back to the drinking herbal blends while breastfeeding, you know, that, that comes back to empowerment with information um, and like, like my personal comfort level is drawn more from the traditions that these herbs come from than it right. is what the FDA says. Now, for some people, their comfort level is on what the FDA says and what what the current science says, and I respect and support that. You know, like I think that right. to find what makes the most sense, especially as a mom, like you have to trust do what's best for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but for me, it I was drawing off of those traditions, and you know, did all the research and consulted with Ayurvedic doctors and Chinese medicine doctors and herbalists, and was like, you know, what do you think about this? And they were all like, totally fine from our perspective. Um, so, um, and it's another one of those, you have to listen to your body too. Like when I have, when I was pregnant with my second in my first trimester, I was literally repulsed by Rasa, like could not (laughs) have a root around me. And I was scared. I was like, wait a second, I'm building this business. And like, what if this is forever? You know how, like when you're like, like, what if I just like spaghetti squash for the rest of my life? Um, but (laughs) my second trimester, I loved it. I craved it. I drank it as much as I wanted. So, you know, you have to listen to those things and what we've been, you know, doing in terms of educating about that, you know, we, we empower people with both sides of the story like fda says this traditional wisdom says this you do what feels right for you um right and you know we're we're here to support that yeah i, I think that it was great that you addressed the question specifically even on your website i think it was addressed because or somewhere i know i've seen it where people ask can you use this while breastfeeding and you said exactly that like this is what the fda says but you know this has been done traditionally which allows for people you've had even posts specifically for it i think i've seen pictures with you and your 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 children (laughs) with it but yeah yeah but i definitely appreciate that because it it, so many people have different uh, questions and concerns, and especially when it comes to pregnancy and, well, period, being a woman, period, and then just, you know, different parts of your life of being pregnant and then postpartum, which to me, I honestly think is the most under, under, the, it needs to be spoke about way more, the postpartum time, as opposed to, uh, <laughs> as opposed oh, to pregnancy. Yeah. Everybody's talking about pregnancy, but, but nobody talks about the postpartum time other than postpartum depression. Like you should really like the entire postpartum time, I think needs way more light. Like, so just bring so, in anything. <laughs> There's so many times I would like, I, I know, um, a couple of lactation counselors and, um, and things. And I would say to them like, why is it, why aren't like more people need to know about the different resources and just speaking about the experiences women are having after they have the baby. Like me, I honestly feel like postpartum itself, like the period, I don't really start to feel myself until about two years after the baby is born. So everybody thinks it's like one year. Um, but you know, just bring a light to that. What would you say? I don't know, because you, you're a mom too. <laughs> what would yeah, you no, say? I, would say, I would say like kind of after weaning even. Um, yes. I mean, you know, I, I weaned it two and a quarter years for both of them for different reasons. Um, and it, so my second one is just now weaned. 
And okay. uh, it's like, oh, I have my body back. Back. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> right. Interesting. Um, yeah. I, you know, and the Ayurveda perspective is like, you know, very focused on the, the six weeks after birth. Um, right. The 42 days after birth lays the foundation for the next 42 years of a mother's life. And wow. the, the practice is mom rests. And this happens in, in traditional Chinese culture as well. We have friends in Taiwan and China and like, it's just part of like, okay. So like they, they actually go to the hospital and stay in the hospital for six weeks so they can get taken care of. Wow. Um, or, or like in, in these sort of birthing centers, um, so they can get taken care of for a full six weeks. They get massages every day. They get their food taken care what? of. Yeah. And that's the Ayurvedic <laughs> practice too. And like, you know, usually they're, they're also living in community and they're living, you know, right. they have more of a familial culture where you live with your, you know, husband's parents or your, your, your parents, whatever. Um, and you have more of your aunts and uncles around and that sort of thing. And so they're taking the baby so you can get the time, but the goal is, um, you rest you are basically mm -hmm. in bed for six weeks after, and you don't get blood clots because you're getting massages and stuff like that. And right. that, that resting period is so important for helping to cultivate and like just reform that energy of like, like you have a baby, you committed a miracle. Like you have created a yes. life, a whole human. And like, you know, you don't, you, you think about it when like it's a baby, but like that person's going to someday be an adult that's out there changing the world. Like you did that, you know, like you made that yep. possible yep. and you need to like, let some of that energy come back to you and cultivate. And that, that rest is really important. And I totally agree. Like, so I'm focusing on that six weeks now, but I think that yeah. two years, you know, like you can, you can get so depleted in that two years. And I was seeing, mm -hmm. they, they talk about postpartum depletion that can last for 10 years after having a baby, wow. not getting proper rest and proper care. And in our culture, we are divorced from communities so often. Yes. Um, and so we don't have that communal support. We don't have that, you know, just like that, that ability to just like have a friend come take the kid or have the mom, and the, you know, spent time. Yeah. With and it was like, I watched this baby get passed around between nine family members, you know, like all week <laughs> long. And I was like, wow, the mom, like she's out having a shower. She's out like <laughs> talking to a friend for a little bit. Like she went for a walk, you know? Like, right. And it wasn't like a big deal. Like, oh, I'm going to go get me time. It was just so normal. Um, right. We're lacking that. And so it's, oh, it's tough. Yeah, I definitely feel that, at least from my perspective and what I've observed as being a mom two times now, two, having a kid, two kids, is that I feel like our lack of community in the postpartum period could be contributing to the way that women are feeling, you know, uh, that may, I'm not saying any definitive things, but I know that it is probably a factor, you know, because we're not, we're, it's so forced on, like, focused on like getting back to yourself and, 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 you know, like you can't have a, your life is not normal. Back is not going back to a normal. It's not. No, no. And so, you know, you don't have time for yourself and your body, your hormones are doing all these crazy things. You know, it's just, you just gave birth to a human, you know, like it's a whole big thing. So it, yeah. it, it upsets me, but <laughs> I, I could talk on and on about that part, but. I know, I know, me too, <laughs> me too. The, the book I recommend the most about parenting is called The Continuum Concept. Have you ever? Oh, I've never read that one highly recommend it. And it talks a lot about the criticalness of that community and that tribal nature. Like it's a woman who 
um, and I use tribal in the in the real sense. She went and lived with an Amazonian tribe in the 70s for a year and a half and studied what they were, how they were living. And, you know, that experience of tribe meant that parenting was like really easy and like so non-dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was like, huh, okay, like let's look at more of what they're doing. Um, so I, I highly recommend that book. And um, yeah, that so much emphasis was on like really consciously cultivating community because that's that just such a it takes a village as they say it surely does it surely does and i mean i must say that the people my lack of uh in-person community has gone virtual well i think everybody says it at this point in 2020 but i know that right, <laughs> right after the baby having resources for other uh, moms that are able to you know they're just able to call a lactation counselor and maybe do stuff on zoom you know i definitely encourage people to look at different ways to shape their community you know just don't think that you're out there alone because i know there are some moms and moms to be that listen to this so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it takes it takes prioritization it takes focusing on it because it's easy to just get into and feel like I don't have time for that. And it's right. true that you don't, but you will get more time by doing it, by building that. Yes. That, that communal home. Yes, absolutely. Well, my next question is actually going to be the last question. <laughs> and this is the question that I usually reserve for, to ask the guests to allow for them to share something that the audience can take away and kind of do or use or put into practice right away. Mm. So for those who are new to the herbal and adaptogen world, navigating through it all could be overwhelming. Mm. Could you share two herbs that are found in Rasa, which you knew you had to have in there because of their properties mm. and that people can find, also find in stores if they wanted to go and, you know, like pick up a tea to start with or something like that, that can help with stress. And even you can recommend other ones or, or speak of other ones that you know as well, but just a couple that can, um, can introduce people into it, uh, into the whole adaptogen world. Sure. Sure. Great. Um, yeah. Cause it can be overwhelming. There, there's something <laughs> out there and, you know, if you're not an herbalist, it's hard to know a little bit, like what's the right thing. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like, because in a blend like Rasa, like, there are certain herbs that I absolutely love in there that I would not recommend that most people have on their, on its own, you know, like, okay, well, that's good to know, too. Yeah, um, like, rhodiola, I wouldn't go out and just, like, start taking a rhodiola pill, because that can, if it's not in a balanced formula, that can kind of throw you off, but two mm. that I feel really comfortable with um, recommending to people, and that would go well together, um, mm -hmm. so we would kind of just pick two, are ashwagandha and eleuthera, um, ashwagandha mm. is um, probably the, the most well-known adaptogen. Um, it's very calming to the nervous system. It's a nervine tonic. And so I feel like it's one of those ones that everybody in our culture needs because our culture is not calming to the nervous no, system. No, no, no. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was speaking to an herbalist some years ago and she was saying like, if there was one herb that she could have everybody take every day for the rest of her life, it would be ashwagandha. Um, and she was like, you know, it's not going to be one of those ones where you're going to get this huge profound shift, but it's going to like create these, like these little redirects in your system so that yes. over time you're, it just like, it kind of smooths and calms things down. Um, that said, if you are taking like a stronger extract, um, the, what I would look for, if you're getting ashwagandha in pill form, 
um, look for KSM 66. I have seen that now that you yeah, say that. Could you explain that further? <laughs> yeah, so that's a patented extract and I, I'm not really a huge fan on patenting herbs in general. Um, right. I understand within the system why it happens because you get to do so much more research around it. There's a lot of right. that happens administratively, legally, um, <clears throat> regulated, re regulatorily. Um, so the KSM 66 is a, is a potent standardized extract of ashwagandha by this one company that um, our herbalist has investigated and trusts and vouches for, you know, like they're, they're not shysters, like sometimes happens in this concept. Right. Um, and there's just been a tremendous amount of research around that particular extract. So it's a, it's powerful. It'll work. Um, and I would either go for that or go for a full spectrum um, extract. So that would be like just, or powder. Um, and I used to just put ashwagandha in milk and like almond milk and just shake mm -hmm. it in a jar and then drink that. Um, it was really, really helpful for me in terms of balancing my Hashimoto's thyroiditis, thyroiditis that I had before. Um, that and maca was my, I would put them both into a almond milk, shake it up. Didn't taste the best, but I, I yeah, know. I know. Maca is oh. an acquired taste to me, at least. Yeah. <laughs> on its own, on its own. Um, but it's a great herb. And then you can also like get it in teas or they have mm -hmm. extracts and powders that you can put in your oatmeal and stuff like that. Um, right. the, the Ayurvedic way is, is, um, that the taste is part of the medicine. And so it's really valuable okay. to be able to taste it. Um, most, most of the time, if you get Ayurvedic capsules, like they don't come in capsules, actually, they come in tablets. So you can mm. even suck on the tablets a little bit and taste what you're getting. And that, that oh. kind of tells your body and cues your body into like, oh, this is the medicine that I'm taking. And it helps your body to receive it a little bit. Okay. So, you know, and, and ashwagandha powder itself is pretty, is relatively cheap. You can get it on mountain rose herbs, um, get like yes. bags, really not too expensive. Um, and then Eleuthero is an energizing adaptogen. It's the original adaptogen. Mm. So um, the OG back in the 1950s and 40s and 50s, when they were doing, um, Russian scientists were doing all the research on adaptogens. Um, it started where they wanted to find a way to give like super soldiers and these super athletes the, an edge without a crash. So they found like okay. and stuff gave a crash and they wanted to give them endurance and give them a real edge. Um, and they landed on Eleuthero, did 3,000 studies on it, an incredible amount wow. of um, And that was, Eleuthero was the one where they were like, okay, we are going to use this term adaptogen, and this is what this, this okay. is defined as. And, um, and what that was defined as is it has to be normalizing. Um, it has to have a, a balancing, overall balancing effect on the body. It needs to be non-toxic in normal therapeutic doses. It has to have a non-specific effect on the body, which means it, it, it's holistically balancing. It's not like, oh, this is good for your liver. It's like, no, this does the whole system. And part of that is because they nourish the core system of your body, which is the neuroendocrine system. Um, and that allows you to access a different kind of energy than what coffee does. So it's, a, it's a much deeper, more subtle type of energy. Um, so Eleuthero, um, all adaptogens, sorry, backing up a little bit, all adaptogens are mm -hmm. going to have those four properties to be classified as an adaptogen. Right. It is important to note that there are plenty of companies out there that are calling things adaptogens that aren't. Um, that don't mm -hmm. scientifically pass muster. Um, mm -hmm. And so like, you have to be a little bit educated. There's 
only like 30 adaptogens out there. Matcha is not, turmeric's not, pearl is right. not. Um, you know, a lot of people call lion's mane and chaga. They're not still amazing herbs and plants and superfoods that we can take, but not, they're not going to have these four effects, especially that balancing effect on the neuroendocrine system, which helps us with our stress response so that we're handling stress with more resiliency. Right. Um, but so they all have those qualities. And then some of them have these different kinds of, um, personalities and, and different specific effects. So Eleuthero is energizing, Ashwagandha is calming. Um, pair those together and you've got kind of a nice little balanced thing. You might do the Eleuthero in the morning and the Ashwagandha at night. Some For some people, Ashwagandha makes them yeah. very, very sleepy. Um, some people, it doesn't seem to have that effect. It just, you know, depends. But um, that would be, if you were to do two things, um, mm -hmm. I would go with Eleuthero in the morning. Um, you could add a little powder to your coffee or your favorite morning beverage. Um, it's also not a super tasty one. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but, um, or you could get it in a blend, you know, find it, find a right. blend has got both of them. Um, and, um, and you know, those are going to be two that, that can really, especially after a couple of weeks of taking them daily, like adaptogens aren't necessarily something you're like, Oh yeah, suddenly I'm completely Zen. I feel amazing. Right. Like it takes a little bit of time because they're working at this, non-specific normalizing impact on your entire body um so okay. it takes when you're making big holistic changes like that in the body like doesn't happen overnight it's not a it's not vicodin um, right that's <laughs> what i try to tell people like some people don't understand that like when you well some people might not know not maybe not understand but rather they they're not aware that adaptogens do take some time to work their magic for lack of a better return. Um, it's not just like coffee where you would drink it and then all of a sudden you have that big jolt or you know a, a change in your life. Uh, that thing you may have to take, uh, you may have to drink rasa for uh, a, a week, you know, <laughs> in order for yeah. you to like, <laughs> for you to actually start to feel the effects. So I always try to tell people don't really just judge any of adaptogens period by just saying, Oh, I took it yesterday and I didn't feel anything today, you know? So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can take, you know, I would say like, we tend to say like 12 days, give it 12 days and see what, you know, and it, it, it can be helpful too. Cause sometimes we don't notice things, you know, like some of these things happen a little bit subtly and we have to be a little bit conscious with how we're engaging with things. And so it can be helpful just to like, sometimes I'll just even open a note in my phone and be like, I was okay, gonna say that. You know, like, and just say like, all right, today is this day. I feel like this, you know, and just mm -hmm. write like five things about how you feel and then set yourself a calendar reminder and like 12 days and come back and check and see like, okay, today I'm feeling this. Is it different? Right. Okay. Right. There's something different, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then adaptogens have a cumulative effect. So the longer you drink them, the more you feel them. And there's actually one herbalist that says that with Eleuthero specifically, you don't really get to know the impacts of Eleuthero until you've been taking it every day for six months. Wow. Some of these herbs, I know nobody likes to hear that in our like go, go, go culture, but like some of these herbs in the, in the traditions that they came from are meant to be taken for years or even decades. Like you just take a right. little bit over the course of decades and then it helps to actually alter the course of your life and the way that your system responds to reality. So, um, you know, I, I, you'll, you'll notice things from Rasa and you'll probably notice things, you know, with Eleuthero before that, you, I mean, I'm sure you will, but but like, I certainly noticed when I was taking Eleuthero or, or taking Rasa, which has Eleuthero for six months, like my energy levels stabilized. It was just like, mm -hmm. suddenly it was just like, wow, I just have energy all day. It just doesn't go right. away. That's really, I get tired at night, but right. Um, so, you know, I, I, and I think that that was the Eleuthero kind of like finally like kicking its full way in my system being like, all right, we got this. Right. 
Right. I mean, that's the, the, the way that I was able to even tell that adaptations period worked for me is that I was in like this really stressful period for maybe a year or so. And then during that year, I, when I first started taking adaptogens period, I had started with ashwagandha. And I realized that um, maybe about, you know, uh, two months into taking it, I wasn't stressing about the situation in the same way that I had been two months previously. And so I was like, oh, maybe that's the, <laughs> the shaganda kind of kicking in. And so yep. it, it's that's because people will be like, OK, how do you know that this thing is really working? And I think that the biggest thing I say to people is just ask, uh, tune into yourself to see how you were reacting to the same situations that were stressing you out previously, and then see if that is the thing that may be working. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah one of the things one of my teachers says is that plants, plant medicine requires participation. When you're mm-hmm. dealing with plants, when you're dealing with herbs, it's not like a pharmaceutical where like you take that thing, it's going to have the effect whether you're paying attention or not. You know, like right. if I take a Xanax or whatever, like I'm going to you know, have the effect. Um, but if you take, you know, plant medicine, you start working with plant medicine, you kind of have to show up a little bit. It's more like uh, the pharmaceutical is kind of a monologue with your body and the plant yeah. is a little bit of a dialogue with you and the plant, this other entity. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good to just, you know, sh- show up and listen and ask questions and be present to how it's impacting you. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's not just a, let me take this pill and uh, everything will go away. Because even in that, that time, most of the time, the stuff doesn't go away. It's just it's just hiding what you need to work on in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, it's true. It's true. And, and with the pathogens, it's like, it, it, they're not a replacement for a healthy lifestyle. But what they can give you is that extra, like, kind of, like, even 5 to 10% of buffer where you can start mm-hmm. being, making more empowered decisions about how you're dealing with your life, how you might be kind of complicit in overwhelming yourself or, you know, all, all the things that it, like hard self-responsibility work. But like, if you have that little bit of space where you're not just like fending off stress all the time and just blah, 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 right. definitely give you that little bit of buffer. It almost feels like a little bit, I feel like a little bit of armor, like a nice little, like, yes. armor, like where it's just like, just a little bit. It just doesn't get to me as much, you know? Right. I'm exactly. And I know it's not that I never get stressed, but you know, I'm, I'm just, I have a little bit more buffer. And then that little bit of buffer, the important thing is to take that buffer and be like, okay, how can I help myself to be living a more healthy life? How can I take one more step? Use that as an upward spiral, right. a virtuous circle where you're, you're taking another step to remove your stress, whether that's putting app limits on your phone, whether that's right. you know, going Facebook for that extra five minutes at night and like going, you know, do something to take care of your body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was awesome. Lopa. I, I was, I'm still like kind of low key geeking out that. <laughs> on the <phone>. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, it's to, to connect with you and to just feel so much. I just feel so much resonance. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, can you let everybody know where they can learn about Rasa and connect with you all? Yeah, yeah. We're on the gram at We Are Rasa and um, online at WeAreRasa.com. Um, W-E-A-R-E, like We Are the Rasa. Um, <laughs> on Amazon as well. Um, Facebook, 
that's about it. We don't have time for other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. It's all about yeah. it anyway. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, um, I'm going to link everything in the description box below. You guys can go and check out Rasa, the different blends that they have. They have, I don't know if you're probably going to have something else that pops up. I'm, I know you have some, probably something that you're working on that I'm not going <laughs> to, I don't know about yet, <laughs> but I'll find some email in my email box and I'll be like, wait a minute, I need that too. So it's, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, I know you have a code. Um, oh, yes, I will put it. Code, then, yeah, they can get a, a discount. Yeah, yes, so absolutely. And by the way, is it, wait a minute, real quick. The uh, Eleuthero, is that in the bold as well? This is in all the rasas. Um, it okay. is, uh, it's in an extract form in bold, so it's a bit stronger in okay. that. Um, and so, yeah, the bold has a lot of extracts, so it's just like kind of supercharged. Rasa yeah. with some other herbs as well, um, but yeah, it's in it's in all the Rasa blends. Yeah, bold and the super happy joy tonic, sunshine tonic. <laughs> Those are my two favorite. Those are two of my two favorite. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I really love the super happy sunshine. Have you tried the spicy rose yet? Have we? I did. I think I like. I have tried it. I'm not a huge uh, spicy person, <laughs> so yeah, it's got a little bit of a kick for sure. It's, it's and it was it it. it snuck up on me and I was like <laughs> it snuck up on me but it smells yeah. amazing when you open up the thing you smell like the the, the cacao that's in it yeah and the and the rose smells amazing yeah, and people yeah. yeah people have have um emailed me and they were they were like as soon as we opened the box they were like oh my god they opened the open the bag they really loved it so awesome. Awesome. yeah but I'll link everything in the description box below for all the listeners. And thank you so much, Lopa, for your time. And we will connect with you on the gram. Hopefully everybody will. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Come follow Rasa and um, keep following Tiffany, Lady G. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to get to know you a bit here. Yay! <laughs> awesome. Okay. So how was it? Isn't it great hearing the backstory on different business owners uh, journey and just what made them get into it? I always find those so fascinating. I often listen to other people's podcasts trying to figure out like just what motivated people to start things and you know, what their journey was, you know, just so I you always hear or see people the results of everything. But hearing the origin story is great because that gives you the motivation to, you know, just start whatever it is that you may be dreaming of. But thanks again, Lopa, for coming onto the show and make sure that you all go and check out Rasa at wearerasa.com. You can find them on Instagram at wearerasa. Again, that's we as in W-E, R-A-R-E, Rasa, R-A-S-A. Rasa is the name of the company. And make sure to check out the show notes if you are interested in trying Rasa. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to give the show a rating and also to subscribe to the podcast if you are on a platform that allows that. If you're interested in other lifestyle wellness tips and gardening and all sorts of things, realistic wellness <laughs> related, make sure to follow me on my lifestyle wellness blog, itsmeladyg.com. You can also find me on Instagram at itsmeladyg. Again, everything will be in the show notes and you can go and check that out. I want to thank our sponsor again for supporting the podcast. 
Every little bit helps to produce more women's wellness content. If you are interested in finding out how you can personally support the podcast, please check the show notes as well. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you guys next time. Stay well, folks. Bye.